Another edition of the Hornets Podcast, your daily podcast with all the notes, quotes, and daily buzz around your favorite NBA team, the Charlotte Hornets. I'm Sam Farber, and it is a pleasure and a privilege to have you with us once again. It is another game day edition. We'll be previewing tonight's contest against the Minnesota Timberwolves and the first ever meeting between two top three picks from the same draft class, LaMelo Ball and Anthony Edwards. Also going to talk about the starting lineup. There could be some changes, perhaps on the horizon given the fact that the Hornets are getting healthier, at least trending in that direction. And we're going to talk about the start of the G League season for the Greensboro Swarm down in the bubble in Orlando. To talk about all these things with me, I've got my good buddy and our pregame and postgame host for the Hornets Radio Network, Kyle Bailey. You can also hear him middays on WFNZ. Kyle, welcome back to the Hornets Hivecast. Well, Sam, to borrow a phrase from you, it's a pleasure and a privilege, buddy. Thank you. I'm glad it's catching on. We're, we're glad to have you here. It's a, a busy, busy time, obviously, for the Hornets, and they have been working through the last two to three weeks where overall, with maybe the exception of the Memphis game, they played very well, but they've been navigating a lot of injuries over that course, and uh, I, I think they've been doing a fine job of it. But last game against Memphis it seemed they finally ran into some troubles at not having their point guard, Devontae Graham, active, uh, whether it was with the starting group or without LaMelo Ball on the floor as a whole. uh, The team ran into a lot of turnovers, and a combination of turnovers and a lack of defensive rebounding prowess against a very good offensive rebounding Grizzlies team led them to the defeat. There is a chance Devontae Graham could be back tonight, but just overall, whether it's tonight or later on down the line, I wanted to talk starting lineup with you. As someone who talks to the fans on a daily basis, middays on WFNZ, what do you believe the ideal starting lineup would be for the Hornets? Ooh, it's a great question, and I think, yeah, you start with Devontae's absence. Boy, those assist numbers don't look the same without him on the floor, do they? I mean, last night, or two nights ago, I should say, uh, I, I think, what, 23 assists on 45 made buckets. Not terrible, but this team has you know, been in the 70 75% range for a good portion of the season. So, I mean, it's clear how much they miss him, and, and he certainly has played much, much better than the slow start that he got off to. Um, I, I like the lineup that we've seen a lot this year of – uh, well, let me back up, actually. I'll, I'll say this. I don't think LaMelo's coming out of the starting lineup again, and, and I think you and I discussed that three-guard lineup a good bit yesterday and the productivity that we've seen when they were on the floor. So I do like that lineup a lot. I, I wonder if the way Miles is playing lately, especially three straight double-doubles, that you know he may not find himself in the starting lineup at some point. But I like that three-guard lineup, and you know I, I did like the starting lineup they were rolling with up until Terry's injury, and, and that shook everything up. So I'll, I'll go with the three-guard lineup because that's been very fun to see them tinker and, and you know create with that. It is a lot of fun. I would almost liken it, though, and I'm not saying it's not possible that it is the starting lineup eventually, but I would almost liken it to eating dessert all the time. Like, yes, offensively, it presents a lot of great matchups for the Hornets. you got a lot of shooting on the floor, the creativity of LaMelo Ball, plus you've got Gordon Hayward, and you know he's you know tried and true, steady as she goes, always available to you know be an option on a possession, and you combine in a center in there. The problem you run into is eventually you're going to run into a Philadelphia or just a team with what you would call maybe more normal 
NBA size across the board, and all of a sudden having three guards on the floor can become as much of a penalty on that end as it is a positive on your own offensive end. Yes, and look, I think you and I have also just, well, you and I have discussed almost everything about this team, and and I think that you know the, the discussion we had about JB sort of making a, a decision, if you will, or making a call about not trying to split his team's defensive efforts between you know focusing on the perimeter, focusing on the paint and the glass, and you know he felt like to your point that they were going to be uh, you know the smaller team more often than not as currently constructed, and so I, I think he has been. Uh, experimenting. I, I think you'd agree with we, we've seen JB try some new things to find out what works. Some's been successful, some hasn't. But this team is going to continue to struggle, I think, against the Philadelphias of the league. When, when you run into outsized front courts and, and bigs like Ben Simmons, not that those grow on trees, but this is a talented Hornets team. They, they do have some, some flaws, I think, that are difficult to overcome unless you can naturally grow people five or six inches overnight. And outside of LaMelo Ball, I'm not sure who's in the age range that that's really possible right now. You know, one other aspect of when Devontae Graham comes back, and the hope is it could be tonight against Minnesota, but whenever he does make it back to the lineup, I think spreading out the point guard role a bit more efficiently throughout the roster is key. I think, you know, LaMelo has a special connection with Miles, and that's developed over a lot of time playing with one another. Uh, you look at the assist numbers, LaMelo has almost the exact same number of assists right now with Miles Bridges as he does with Gordon Hayward. With Miles, it's about 30% of his total made field goals. With Gordon, it's 15%, and that's because Gordon gets used a lot more for shot attempts in general than anyone else on the team. But I think it does go to show what Miles is capable of when he has a point guard feeding him. And there's some guys on the team that are just going to be capable of getting their own shot every time down the floor, no matter what. You know, Terry Rozier doesn't necessarily need someone to pass on the ball. Malik Monk doesn't need someone to pass on the ball. I think they're better when someone is, but Gordon Hayward, he, he can get his own shot. But I do think if you separate the point guards, at least making sure one of them is on the floor at all times, it creates more positive outcomes for the Hornets. It does, and especially stylistically given what they're doing this year. I mean, even early in the season when I think it was uh, that four-game losing streak especially, the ball was still moving. The assist numbers were still good. They just weren't knocking down open shots. And, and you know, you and I have said countless times, we've known it for a long time, this is a make-or-miss league. And then the shots started to fall, and this team started to win games. And so it is critical to that point to make sure these guys, you know, at least two of them are on the floor together. But getting three out there has offered some very, I should say, has, has given them the opportunity to create and even create some mismatches, you know, with that going on. So I look forward to getting that back. And, you know, again, Devontae's assist numbers have been so important to this team's success. I mean, we, we've seen his real plus minus numbers, the defensive rating, the assist numbers. You know, he was still contributing during that slump. And then when the shot started going through, uh, he really started to sparkle. It, it was really unfortunate that the injury bug came along when it did uh, because they were playing so well. Three wins against Indiana, Milwaukee, and, and Miami. That injury bug could not have come at a worse time for this team. And to your point, you know, he was top 20 in assists throughout the season, uh, whether he was slumping, shooting personally or not, the assists were always there. And then he caught fire pretty quick. I mean, he went from not shooting the ball well to top 15 in the league in total made threes, not per game, total. So he made up crown in a big hurry. Uh, it's the kind of shooter he is, one of the elites right now in the NBA. 
and the Hornets will certainly look forward to having him sooner rather than later. Be sure, fans, you tune in and watch every Hornets game you can on Fox Sports Southeast as well as the Fox Sports Go app, or you can listen on WFNZ and the Hornets mobile app. We get started an hour before each and every game with Kyle Bailey on the pregame show on WFNZ. Today, it is the day after the opener for the Greensboro Swarm. They fell to the Westchester Knicks 118-106, to 106, but it was good to see the G League back in action. Day 2 overall for the G League was yesterday, day 1, of course, for the Swarm. Talking to Kyle Bailey of WFNZ, and before we get into the specifics of the game, Kyle, the G League has been such an important part to this Hornets team in James Borrego's tenure and overall but you look at the guys that have been really productive, the Martin brothers. You've got Devontae Graham is probably the biggest highlight of the bunch of someone who was able to get minutes and quite a few of them in the G League, find their way in professional basketball, get into the rhythms of professional basketball, and then hit the ground running and start to contribute in a big way when they came to the Hornets. So the hope is obviously there's a couple of guys on that Greensboro roster who can do that. But I think the the history of this team is proof that the Hornets have a successful model, maybe more so than most teams, of using their G League roster to create future NBA players. I couldn't agree more. I mean, we, we saw, obviously, Devontae Graham benefit in a big way from making that trip up and down 85. And, you know, lots of players have. And, and this is something that we're, we're watching, we have watched, really grow over the past two years, and it continues to improve. I mean, this is going to be critically important, Sam, as you know, to all of these organizations and you know, the developmental paths. And, and down the road, who knows what else it could turn into. And I think that the, the profile of the G League is growing. Uh, and we're seeing that with the NBA. The G League, Summer League is much more popular than it's ever been and you know now that we we see these players on two-way contracts we see them listed a couple of them anyway you know on on rosters uh, on game night and you know they're they're names that we know many of them from big time college basketball and so you know it's a an easy way to keep up with some of the players that you might have really enjoyed watching at the collegiate level and then with you know the hornets you know a guy like Jalen mcdaniels who i still have high hopes for going off for 24 points and and eight rebounds in this game you love to see that from him uh vernon carey jr Double double, 19 points, 11 rebounds for him. And and personally for me, I mean, Ahmed Hill, 14 points, four assists. Ahmed Hill, who is uh, you know product of my at Virginia Tech, Del Curry as well. He was one of the most exciting players that I've seen come through that program in quite some time. He was with the, the Hornets in training camp last year, and so to see him still you know fighting for his professional basketball life is really really awesome. And he had a great game today. So I, I love what the NBA has done with the G League, and it's exciting how it's going to grow. Yeah, it's kind of fun how, you know, the G League, I mean, the the intent, obviously, is to get the guys who were second-round picks, the two-way players, the guys who maybe the clubs have a bit more invested in, more consistent run than they would find going through intermittent practices in a season. Nothing's like the season we're having now in terms of a lack of run and practice time for those types of players. But overall still, you know, even in a normal season where you do have more commonly two or three day breaks and you do get more practice time uh, without the G League, there isn't that opportunity. But I'd, I'd liken it to, you know, in a minor league baseball system. Yeah, you've got your first round picks that you want to have getting consistent at bats or consistent starting pitching performances in the minors. But it 
in doing so, you create a lot of opportunities for other guys who don't have the same investment in them to show what they can do. And, you know, we see it all the time, a guy who's maybe drafted in the 15th or 20th or 25th round or not drafted at all in Major League Baseball's selection process finds a way to the majors because they kept showing up to the ballpark, putting up stats, and eventually they make it to the majors. And just like you said with Mr. Hill, I mean, there's an opportunity there for him. He continues to show out. Someone's going to finally give him a deal. No doubt. And, and again, it's great. to you know, these, There are so many players, and especially in the NBA now, you look at an organization like the Raptors and, you know, not just, uh, you know, four, three and four year college guys, but undrafted free agents. I believe Toronto has seven on their roster at this moment in time. And so increasingly, you know, as as the, the G League has become more and more available and, you know, a, a greater tool for the league, but also with the Internet and everything else, the ability to monitor so many of these players, you see those kind of stories more frequently where a guy wasn't a first round pick or even drafted at all, but still finds a way back to the NBA and, and goes on to have a successful career. Now look at a guy like Chris Middleton up in Milwaukee and. You know, the fact that coming out of Texas A&M, he wasn't especially highly regarded and you know, spent some time in the G League, found a role in Milwaukee, and, and the rest is history. So, you know, I go back to the opportunities being afforded to not only the players, uh, which is the best part, but also to these organizations to, you know, build out their developmental programs and, and continue to build the game of basketball. I love it. Greensboro fell in their opener 118-106 to 106 to Westchester. They certainly looked like a team who hadn't played before in a competitive game going up against a Knicks team that had, it was the Knicks' second day of a back-to-back. And I think in certain respects that rest versus rust rule can float either way. In this case, the Knicks seemed much more in rhythm earlier than Greensboro did as Greensboro committed 22 turnovers in the game. But I did want to focus on one individual that really stood out to me, and that was Vernon Carey. 19 points, 11 rebounds. He started a little slow, only four points and three boards in the first half. Second half, He took off. He had four offensive rebounds, eight total, 15 points, all in just 13 minutes. He also went from three fouls in the first half to one in the second. He just showed me a lot of things. He knocked down a mid-range jumper, which is a great sign for a big. He was able to go mano a mano with a guy in Scal LaBCA for the Knicks, who, while he hasn't stuck in the NBA, that's a former first-round pick. That's a guy who's been around the block a couple of times. He's a professional player. So for Carey to have that kind of performance, particularly in the second half, against this level of competition, I think is a great positive sign. And I say that knowing that you know it's a very fine line, particularly for centers, between NBA regular and not, because it's a big jump to be able to compete at the, the highest level, you know, to go back to the baseball analogy, hitting a major league fastball versus, or a major league breaking ball versus hitting a minor league one are very, very different things. There's a reason those guys get to the, the majors. But Vernon Carey, for his first G League run, I thought he looked outstanding. Yes, and, and I was thrilled when they took him 32nd overall. It was really sort of a, uh, a serendipitous kind of thing, I guess, if you will. But the week before the draft, I, I mentioned to uh, my producer on my show on FNZ that I was really curious to, to know where Vernon Carey Jr. would land and you know who he would land with. And 
you know, what the fit might look like. And I hadn't given much thought to Vernon Carey Jr., uh, you know, since the, the college basketball season abruptly ended all the way up until that point. But then I read some things that Mike Francesa had to offer about him uh, before the draft. I always you know, find it interesting what, what Coach Francesa thinks. And, and then you know, saw that Vernon had dropped 33 pounds in the offseason and, and watched some of his you know, tape and some of the workouts and, and saw how different his body looked, how, how much different he looked physically. And I was really, really intrigued. So when the Hornets drafted him, I was thrilled. And I knew it would probably be a, a bit of a project. And, you know, he's very polished offensively, for uh, certainly being the ACC freshman of the year. But, you know, you wondered about the defense and, you know, what else the coaching staff and even Mitch Kupchak found that, that needed to improve from him. But I'm thrilled for him, 19 and 11. And, and I hope that continues because well, I'd love for, for us to be having a conversation later in the season about Vernon Carey Jr. being in a position to come up and help them, you know, Consistently in the front court where we know they could use a little bit of help. Certainly more of a, a long-term thing than a short-term thing. I don't think based off 13 minutes he's immediately going to get the call up and no. enter the starting lineup, but it is a very promising sign. We invite you all to keep an eye on the Greensboro Swarm and everything going on with the Hornets G League affiliate as well as the NBA G League as a whole. It's a very entertaining brand of basketball. Kept me entertained yesterday, and we invite you to keep an eye on it as well. For all the latest information on the Swarm, you can go through their social media sites as well, but the Hornets do a good job of giving you previews and interviews with different players as players go up and down on two-way contracts and whatnot. You can download the Hornets app on your mobile device for access to all new features and exclusive content throughout the season. You don't want to miss the new game day experiences as well for every game this season, giving you information and digital activations available only through the Hornets app. It is a game day edition of the Hornets Hivecast. Kyle Bailey will be on the pregame show on WFNZ, depending on when you're listening to this, hours, minutes from now. Maybe it's already happened. I don't know. It's totally up to you. That's the fun of podcasts. But Kyle Bailey, midday host on WFNZ with me, Sam Farber, here on the HHC. And the Hornets taking on the Minnesota Timberwolves tonight. Uh, this game has got a lot of mysteries to it, Kyle. We don't know who exactly is going to be available for Minnesota. That's kind of been their big issue throughout the season. Like, don't let the record fool you. There's a lot of talent on this roster. Their problem is due to injuries and other things, namely COVID-19, they haven't been able to get all of their stars aligned on the floor much at all, and it's left them in the basement of the Western Conference. But if they were to have all of their stars on the floor at the same time. You're talking about D'Angelo Russell, a former All-Star, Carl Anthony Towns, one of the better bigs in the NBA, in my opinion, still. And then you've got the number one overall pick, Anthony Edwards. So certainly not a team to sleep on, but whether or not they're going to have all of their pieces, uh, quite frankly, they, they really haven't had them all together yet. No, they haven't. And this is this was an interesting roster to me coming in. Uh, Anthony Edwards, you know, has only played in eight games. You, you've alluded to it already. They've been without some some key contributors for a big chunk of the season. And you know, I call Anthony Towns is a tremendous talent, but they've never really been able to put it together up there with him or around him. And you know, he's a guy that has suffered so much this, this past year, as we know, COVID has absolutely uh, wrecked his family and you know, there, there's 
with him being cleared and playing last night and of course the media was talking to him and he talked about his own father fearing constantly 24 7 for for his son and his life because of all that they've been through and so i I think the organization has been through a lot as well and and you feel for them and and look at the roster you said it a moment ago d'angelo russell's a good player uh you know i've I've been excited to see Jarrett culver's uh development in the nba I, i know he probably would like to be a bit further along but they have some interesting pieces there they just they haven't been able to put it together. They haven't been able to keep guys healthy and on the floor. So, you know, I am, I'm very curious to find out what they bring to the floor tonight against the Hornets. Inevitably, with any draft class, there there's certain players that are grouped together. And I don't know for sure what was going through Minnesota's heads, whether they honestly felt Anthony Edwards was the number one player available or was the number one fit for their roster knowing they had D'Angelo Russell. But in either case, they selected Anthony Edwards. LaMelo fell to the Hornets, and everyone here in the Queen City is happy for that based off what we've seen from LaMelo so far. But these two are going to be tied together for some significant amount of time. And just like, you know, Sam Bowie and Michael Jordan go together and Greg Oden and Kevin Durant go together in certain drafts and Darko Milicic and, well, everyone else from the top five of that draft go together. You know, these things are are going to be storylines. So I'm excited to see Anthony Edwards versus LaMelo. How much they're going to pair up against each other remains to be seen because they don't exactly play the same position. But given the way the Hornets defend and the way their rotations happen, there very easily could be a couple of one-on-one matchups and uh, those first fireworks between two top three selections from the last draft. Absolutely. And and going back to Anthony Edwards a moment ago, you know, he has, to to clarify, he's been consistently out there, but he's only started eight games this year. And I'm a little bit surprised by that. And and certainly that conversation hits home with us because the constant conversation on on WFNZ has, you know, been about how great LaMelo has been. But what are they, when's he going to start? And obviously we have our answer to that now. But, you know, Anthony Edwards, um, he looks. I think you and I have discussed this, Sam. I mean, from day one, he looked physically like he belonged on an NBA floor. And, and he's averaging 14 points, three rebounds two, uh, you know, per game, I think two assists per game. And I, I'm not sure if the numbers are where he wants them to be. But for a rookie, that's that's really good production. And he's fun to watch. I'm really – he's one of those players that, you know, of the top three in the draft with Wiseman, Edwards, LaMelo Ball, he was the one that I had, I, I think, the least feel on because I could see the potential. You can see the, the raw physicality, but I wasn't sure, you know, how he would translate to the NBA, especially early on. But he looks really comfortable out there, doesn't he? He, he does. I mean, the, of the three rookies in the top three in the draft, LaMelo is really the only one – who has been given that consistent opportunity to have the ball in his hands all the time. You know, with Anthony Edwards on Minnesota's roster, they do have two all-star level players that need the ball in their hands, and maybe Anthony Edwards is not the same kind of option he would normally be on a traditional number one picking team. This was a very strange draft, and you had Minnesota with two all-stars on the roster and Golden State with three all-stars on their roster obviously they haven't been healthy either and picking for need as much as anything yeah they've, they've been searching for a compliment to, to carl anthony towns I, I think obviously that 
uh, Andrew Wiggins, that, that experiment didn't work out the way they hoped when he was first acquired. And, and they've, again, there's been trying to find someone that, that can compliment him in that way. And Anthony Edwards looks like he might be that guy, but it's, it's so early in his career still that, you know, that's still probably a year or two away. At least those two being some two headed monster, maybe part of a, a big three of their own at some point. I'm not sure. Again, D'Angelo Russell, good player, not great. I, this has been an organization that I know I grew up on watching, you know, Kevin Garnett, obviously, and, and Stefan Marbury and, you know, they, they've got history, and, and I remember those old Minnesota Timberwolves teams, but it feels like it's been you know, kind of a, a long time since they've been any semblance of that, and I, I thought they were putting together a, a really solid foundation toward doing that with Carl Anthony Towns, but you know, between some bad luck and some bad drafting maybe and you know, a few other decisions, they're not quite where I know the fan base would like for them to be. I'm, I, I don't know what the future looks like for this organization, but you know, they, they have some things there right now that, that you can work with. It's just a matter of what they do next, I think. Tonight, Hornets versus Timberwolves. I am excited to see the matchup. I'm curious to see whether or not the wise guys in the desert make the Hornets the favorite for once against a team that seems on paper like they should be because after what happened with the Wizards and the Rockets, I just don't know anymore. Very true. I, I, I was genuinely surprised to see the Hornets as, as underdogs on Sunday against the Wizards and on Monday against the Rockets, especially once we found out Eric Gordon and John Wall weren't playing. Uh, I was very surprised by that. Not Not so shocked that they weren't uh, favored against Memphis. I thought they might be, but, you know, on the road, and John Morant was back, and then Valanciunas was there. So I, that one was kind of a toss-up. But you know, I, I don't think Vegas has has been giving them the benefit of the doubt much lately. Bottom line, you know what? The Hornets are playing for the standings and not for uh, for Las Vegas. Right. But it, it is it has been surprising that the Hornets, whether it's on, you know, the those numbers or in power rankings or in a number of areas, it feels at times like the national media has just been looking at final scores and not watching the games. Because I think if you watch the games, you know, if, if you're just looking at the scores, you, your takeaway from the last week and a half is, ah, the Hornets, you know, they lost three times. So, you know, this is a, a below 500 team and they're playing like it. Whereas if you watch the games, you're like, wait a minute. They lost to the teams leading their respective conferences and were competitive with them. And, yeah, they didn't play very well against Memphis, but that's one game. Overall, this is a team that still is playing very well, and hopefully they can keep that going. No doubt about it. I mean, this this Hornets team is fun. I, I saw this morning, I'm sure you've seen it as well, uh, the, the New York Times has a, a great little piece out on the Hornets this morning uh, entitled Behind the Grid of the NBA Team with the Next Big Thing. Uh, that, that little subtitle there I, I was amused by. The Charlotte Hornets are emerging from obscurity thanks to the star power of rookie LaMelo Ball and the shot making of Gordon Hayward. Here's how they're doing it. And uh, I, this is a fun team that I think it was Robbie Callen said two days ago. You know, a lot of fun, still very young, and at the moment without the burden of expectations. We'd all like to see this team make the playoffs. I think they are perfectly capable of doing that, and especially so if they stay healthy. But you know, this is uh, the beginning of, of what could be a long, fun ride, and uh, I'm strapped in and ready for whatever's coming. We'll see if they can continue that path tonight. Kyle Bailey and Travis T-Bone Hancock will have your pregame show on WFNZ starting at 6 p.m. And then I'll take over officially at 7 with tip-off for Hornets versus Timberwolves. The first NBA meeting between LaMelo Ball and the guy who went number one in his draft class, Anthony Edwards. Kyle Bailey, thanks so much for joining us again here on the Hornets Hivecast. Thank you, my friend. It's always a pleasure. Go Hornets. 
And thanks to all of you for joining us as well. I invite you to come back and join us again tomorrow. We'll be breaking down tonight's game against the Timberwolves. Until then, for everyone with the Hornets, I'm Sam Farber saying it's been a pleasure and a privilege having you with us here on the HHC. And in the words of LaMelo Ball. Thank you. Have a good day. Wear your mask. <laughs>